Mo, good to see you. Hey, Mikey, what's up, brother? It's been a long time. It's been a long time since Comedy Anatomy has had an episode out, but today we are back. And who do we have today, Mo? We have Sergio Chacon, very funny guy. I love Sergio, uh, New York-based comedian. Um, and just his delivery, his timing, his own point. Absolutely, he's done Gotham Comedy Live, the Mangina Dialogue podcast. Which... Yeah, he's one of my favorites um, in New York City, especially on the scene now. I think mm -hmm. he's explosive and I think he has a likable personality. Now, please enjoy our conversation with Sergio Chacon. All right, man. Well, it's great to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. How long has it been, Sergio? It's like uh, 15, what, 20 years almost? Mo, I met you at Laugh Lounge about 15 years ago. Yes. I was a young whippersnapper in the game. I had no grays in the beard. And, <laughs> and Mo was the man. Delilah, who was the owner of the club, uh, spoke highly of him. And he ran the ship, man. There was he great comics coming through the Lower East Side, Laugh Lounge. We had Dean Edwards. Donnell Rawlings, you know, uh, Patrice O'Neill. Oh, that's right, Patrice O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. You just reminded me to give a shout out to Delilah Ramos because she was the only Spanish woman, only woman, to have a club. And that club was beautiful. That was a very beautiful club. Um, Mo, I think, yeah. I was going to say, don't clap because when you clap, I got to cut it out. Okay. All right. Clap get, over your talking. Excited. I get excited. Yo, that's the way black and Latinos express ourselves. <laughs> I know, but it, oh man, it's gonna. I got more. So anyway, I just want to tell you. Uh, no, no, uh, I'm sorry, Mo. Go ahead. You were talking about Delilah. I didn't want to interrupt. No, but Delilah, I, I have to give her a shout out because she opened a club that was beautiful. She had she cultivated a lot of young comics like Sergio, uh, Eddie Wong even did. Um, uh, uh, comedy there too. He started it. That's right. That's right. I saw Eddie Wong not too long ago. Now he was never a stand-up comic. He was. He's an author. He's a. He's a producer, and and he's done a, a bunch of different TV and and film projects. But uh, yeah, he he tried his hand in stand-up there as well. So uh, so Sergio, are you from New York? Are you born and yeah, raised? Yeah, bo born and raised in New York. Yeah. What part? Lower East Side, Manhattan. Yeah, and I'm still you. out here. Still there, right? You're a lifer. Yeah, yeah. It's strange because anybody who's a transplant, they can't believe it. And most of the people I interact with on an everyday basis, they're like, what? Yeah, native New York, you still live there? I'm like, yeah. And they're like fascinated by that. I'm a, you know, I'm an endangered species, man. A lot of people like to take <laughs> pictures of me. They're like, I'll take a picture of that guy right there. Well, you still have that New York flavor too when you do your comedy. You know, when you raise in New York, it's hard to live anywhere else and then go somewhere else. And yeah, boom. it's home and it's what I know. But it does feel, it feels, uh, it kind of, it doesn't feel like the 80s or early 90s because there's, there's not a lot of drug, like blatant drug dealers. Right, out. heroin and alleged. There's still drugs out, but you don't, I don't feel like there's drug kingpin right. Uh, right. guys right. in the neighborhood. And when I was growing up, that's what we had. We had like a lot of drug kingpins, a lot of kids selling drugs in the street. However, there's a lot of drugs in the street now. Understand? What were you doing before stand-up? I was always uh, tried my creative hand. I've uh, enjoyed. <laughs> this is, Mo, this is embarrassing to admit. I was trying to rap for years, but I couldn't catch a beat. I, I think I remember. I, I remember hearing that on one of your episodes. Yeah, awful, bro. Awful. I was like, I I, I couldn't catch a beat. So I, creatively, that's what I tapped into. Poetry, and I've always loved different types of music. I've always loved stand-up. And then it took years to get the courage 
to do it, man. And I finally did it, like, you know, nine, 10 years later. And I never stopped. Once I did it, I never stopped. What, so for nine or 10 years in between, you were interested, but you weren't pursuing it yet? You know, like I you said. I was scared, man. I was scared to do it. Oh. And every time I would, I, I would be with friends and family, think, oh, you got to do this. And, you know, I'll be drinking and be like, oh, I can't, you know. And then I would. Well, well, what, were always, you doing? what were you doing during that time? Oh, yeah. So I did everything from retail to working at a pet shop to do, being a, a working as a, as a plumber's apprentice, freelance construction. I dabbled in a bunch of different things. But how come? OK, so how come during that time you didn't say, OK, whether it's the plumber's, plumber's apprentice thing or not? You said, oh, I'm going to do this. Did you always know all this was a uh, layover until you could get to comedy or feel that? No, no. it's interesting. I was in a, in a very comfortable job, meaning it was a job that I made decent money. I was managing a loft space. And with that, I met a lot of interesting people, creatives alike. Um, but I was in a place where I was able to save money. So I think I was able to take a plunge into something creative without feeling the pressure of having... It right, being a right. money-making endeavor. Like, I was like, oh, I got to do this to make money. It was like, oh, I could do this and, and have fun with it. You know, it's not something I'm leaving a job. I can still do my right. job. So it kind of alleviated any pressure. And the, the pressure was, am I going to stink at this? But that was something exciting. You know and the beauty of that, though? Your, your, your self-deprecation always allowed you a lot more freedom as a comic mm. because you're not hiding. Yeah. And when you put all your shit on the line like that, it makes you just more likable. Actually embraces you. People embrace you more because you're so real as opposed to just telling stories, talking about other things. But like, it's such a, uh, uh, it's such a quality and comedy that I love about watching you, which is, it's even better now than way back then. Right. But it's, uh, yeah. it's this, this honesty that is hard to find in comedy sometimes, you know? I really appreciate that, man. And, and I pride myself on that because my story is really what I know best, you know, and I don't mind sharing it. And that story, some of it is, is, is dark. You know, we're talking about everything from substance abuse to, you know, to a bunch of a catalog of different things that I wasn't always proud of, but I'm at a place right now where I have the liberty to talk about it. And it doesn't yeah. make, you know, it's, I, I appreciate you saying that because that's, the perspective I have on it. You know, if I could talk about that, it, it makes me more relatable and I'm, I'm displaying a sense of honesty that's refreshing. I hope for that, but I think some people do feel uncomfortable. Yes. You know, and it's weird because why they're uncomfortable with my story is beyond me, you know, but- Because well, you connect guess, to them in a way. You connect to them in a way. I don't know, man. I, I wonder, I wonder because there's certain things I'll talk about when it comes to like drugs or something. And I'm telling my story, right? And some people just kind of like look down and shit. I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, I, I guess because it's so real, you know, but I, right. but there's always like a good portion of the audience that's with it. And then it's like a portion that's like, yeah. It's but you know what, man? A little much. What is everybody like, right? Vanilla. So you mm. don't want everyone, if you are someone who everybody likes, that's fine. But then what's your voice and who are you? And what makes you unique is not something that everybody's going to like, because that just doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. I agree. You, it, well, I mean, there's the dark side of it, too. When you bring out your dark side, are you willing to go there? And can you can you turn that into funny, right? I mean, which Richard Pryor was always good about talking about yeah. drugs. Right, and he, right. eased, he eased you into it. 
But some guys, I think, and I'm not talking any specifics, but if they were to go there, I think their careers would have made a better turn in their comedy sometimes. Yeah, honesty, right? Yeah, honesty. Well, let's talk. So if you don't mind, when, when did your substance uh, abuse or I don't know if it was abuse, but when did it, you start having trouble with that? Older? Hey, man, I was doing it too, bro. So I'm not going. Well, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you know, in, in retrospect, I, I think the, the problem developed way before I had any idea. As a young age, I was exposed to it. Everything from my, my, seeing my father sell, selling it in front of me to it being in my household, you know, uh, from my sister's older friends. So I was uh, exposed to it and very curious about it. And at a very young age, I drank. And I liked the feeling, man. Like, I remember drinking, like, at a 14, 15, and feeling, like, super confident. Never did I feel like I needed to fill in a void, but the confidence that came with that, it was like words right. would come from here to here. Like, no... There was no filter. It was like, bang, bang. And I felt funnier. I felt so much right. more confident. And, you know, it wasn't like, oh, it was a problem then. It was a very slow, slow. Uh, progression, like just. Yeah, the progression. Absolutely. So there was a time, and I'll tell you, when I first started comedy, I told myself, I'm not drinking before I go up on stage. That was something that I held closely to me. I'm going to be a professional doing this. And I, I held my, myself in high regards in doing that. That lasted like two years into comedy. I met some, um, some older comics who, um, who I befriended and they would you know drink and, and get high in the mountain. And to be around those comics was, was like, oh, I'm part of the group. You know, right. I, was, I felt like I was part, I was, I'm like, oh, I'm in it. This is what we do. And yeah. I did it once or twice and I never felt good about the first couple of times, because now I'm high and I'm hiding. I'm hiding. Like I'm in, you know, in the showroom, not feeling comfortable. And I, I can't tell you guys why I did that shit over and over, but I did it over and over. And I probably slowed myself down in a lot of ways, but I learned a lot about myself present day. Something that was needed, you know, that exchange was definitely needed. So that's when I, 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 I felt like I had that, that self-discovery, like, yeah, if you want to be the best comic possible, if you want to be a good father, and that's when I cut all this shit out, I have to eliminate something. And what I eliminated was drinking and everything that came with that. And let me tell you, it wasn't easy. That shit did not happen from one day to the next. It took like a good year and a half, two years, if I had to really be honest. And when I got it, I got it. And my life turned out so much better. Like I'm mm -hmm. able to do all the things I, I love to do. Now I'm bullshitting. And I've done this before because I'm very like anal that way. I added up hours of, of drinking and you know all the other bullshit. It could be an eight hour night of drinking and hanging out. You add those hours up with the recovery the following day, three to four times a week. That's like over 40 hours. It is. Right. About, that's like a part time. That's like a part time job. No, you know dude, that's a full time job. 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 Exactly. Oh, Sergio, I relate to you one hundred because we are in the same scene. But you know, I was there longer than you. You know, mm -hmm. in the nineties. So, I mean, running to Boston, I used to just go in the back and grab the the, the drinks because it was there. I could drink mm -hmm. all the time. I was an alcoholic and didn't even know it. You know what I mean? I was a young mm -hmm. alcoholic 
and just it was there. And then I started doing coke. I got friends, you know, I got introduced to that. And then it just became a, a long life of not paying attention and just it becomes yeah. part of the lifestyle. I, How did I you just, get over that? Because that's hard, bro. That is it, very it, difficult. It, it was it was it was very hard. And I gotta tell you, all the times I try to do it on my own, it was, I failed many times over. But having my kid was a, a, a I think I always had it in me. But the, my having my daughter was a true inspiration, and I think it was kind of like that. It's got this. Got to be it. You gotta, you know. And I figured it out. So it's been like ten years since I had my daughter, and around that time, that's when it all came together. A lot of the things I built weren't completely destroyed. Yeah. You know, there were there were there were. I challenged them. You know, I, I pushed the buttons a little bit, but I was able to pick up from where I left off. And it all came together. So present day, you know, I'm on tour with a good friend of mine, Chris Stefano. I'm working the cellar. I was going to say, though, you know how you're talking about uh, it takes time to quit. And that, that's the thing that I think Rocky really screwed everybody over with the movie is because you feel like you should just have a montage of a couple of weeks and you're done. You know what I mean? Like coming over anything. It's like, um, but the truth is you're going to have relapses. You're going to go back and forth. Yeah. For both of you guys, was is, is it more... And it's different for everybody, I'm sure. But was it more habitual and about the environment, or was yeah. it literally being alone at home and you could still have that need to to drink? You don't need, you know what I mean? Because I know from what you've told me, Mo, it sounds like being in the environment was really unhealthy and and drew you to the substances, right? Like the alcohol, the drugs. Yeah. yeah. But but I know, like you know, my my dad had a drinking problem and he would hide booze, right? So, you know, he would put it in places and you'd have to find it. Um, and he just like, you know, so it was not, it was more of a shame thing, you know, um, was there any of that in there or was it much more because you're in clubs? The question is for me, right? Yeah. yeah. I, it was, it was definitely the, it was definitely more of a habit, a bad habit that developed in the place of my surroundings. But I didn't realize, I think, um, it's because I was always in clubs, but I, in comedy club, but prior to that, I needed it to be, to, for it to be the social lubricant. If I want to get real deep in it, I needed it to be with my partners a lot. Like that's how deep it got. Like I was like, oh, there's a, a track line of how I behave, how I interact with people. And those things were always in company of that. You know, I mean, I should be able to be with my partner, you know, my, my, uh, my wife or my, my girlfriend, whoever at the time, and not need any of that. But there was, if I look back, it, that was always in the mix. And right. you can't go on like where every social interaction, whether it be just going to a party, that's one thing, but you know, someone that you're with, you know, you don't need that. So I start to unpeel all the reasons why I would do it. And um, it just so happened at the comedy clubs, for me specifically, it was so abundant there that that's when it seemed to really surface, you know? Yes. But it, that's the truth. But prior to that, yeah, but prior to that, there was definitely a lot of hints of it. There was definitely hints of it, yeah. you know? There was right. a, a bunch of little things that I did that I wasn't proud of, you know? Especially right. when the other stuff came into, like when, when, when that cocaine came into the mix, there was definitely, like that changed. There's things that you, you participate in that super dirt bag, you know? Like, <laughs> I like how you, you whispered cocaine. You're like, and then cocaine, 
But you know, it's, uh, it's, and, and let me tell you, we, you know, I, I like the fact that you said you made that reference to Rocky and like, that's what they missed it. Yeah. You know what? Even present day, I gotta, I gotta check myself. Yeah. Yep. I gotta check that's, myself present that's real. day. That's real. That's yeah. Really and, and it'd be, and we talked, we talked about the sound of music, your senses, right? It'd be a summer night. It could, I could have a, 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 an, an amazing day. And I'll just walk by a bar and the smell will ignite a memory. And I think it would be a great idea to participate in that. But knowing, yeah. I'm like, no, I know where that goes. It always ends up the same way, by the way. I'd never, I've never done it and be like, oh, that was a great idea. Always ended up the same way. You know? But sir, let me ask you this too. Um, what do you think about cancel culture, man? It's, it's, it's a tough one, man. Obviously, as a, as a comic, you know, I think a lot of it is bullshit, but I got to say, the more I listen to the other side, I understand the perspective. I noticed too, Serge, you keep politics out of your, your stand-up. I despise what it does to people. You know what really matters to me? Uh, the present. I really kind of taken on a more spiritual approach with my personal life because mm. that's what matters. Like what's going on right now? The past, the past. The future doesn't quite exist yet. I really try to exercise being in the present. It's not something I've mastered, but I really, that's why I seem I have my most peace. And that's why I, I feel like my relationship is best with myself and others. When it comes to that, I can have an opinion on mm. it, but I, 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 I and, I'll, and I'll lead my life with how I feel certain things should be, but never do I feel like it needs to be the topic of discussion and I'm not in a place where I can make that stuff funny. I know what I can make funny. It's yeah. myself and my personal experiences. There's comics who are good at that. I stay away from that because it's just not my thing. You, you, you know, know what's amazing, Sergio? And I, I can feel it. I mean, obviously, uh, you tell me if this is, is, is a fair question, but as a comedian, especially in, in the entertainment industry, you're either, I had this opportunity 10 years ago for some big deal and I blew it. Or uh, if I don't get to this place in five years, I failed. Are you able to be going after your career as a comedian and, and pushing forward, but finding contentment in your day? Oh, absolutely. I've refused. That, and that's why having a martial art in my life, like boxing, uh, being in tune to my family, you know, uh, limiting. And I try once again, I'm not limiting the amount of time I put on social media. So I got a lot of things going on in my life where I don't become fixated with the past or or, or the future, because that's honestly, and I'm not coming up with this, this phrase, but it's kind of like the, or comparison. That's like the most violent shit you could do to yourself because mm -hmm. it doesn't exist. You're making that up in your mind. It doesn't exist. The mind would destroy, would extract energy from you. You'd start doing that. It's a vicious cycle. And there's not much content, but there's so much content that can assist when you're feeling that way, you know, but it doesn't exist. We make that up. Have you, you always know, been like that? I think I've always had an inkling for it, but I practice it because it makes me feel whole and fulfilled. You know, I have a lot of respect for my mother who's always been there for me. She's been a, an amazing mentor, but that I gotta say every time I speak to my mother and I choose my mother for this an, uh, as an example because she's someone I'm close to and I, I have a, an enormous amount of respect for. But when I speak to my mother, one thing that I wish that she would practice is being present. Every time I speak to her, she's worried about something. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, is this a part of her person? It's become part of her makeup. She's worried mm-hmm. about, you know, what tr- when Trump was in office, she was worried about what he's going to do and this, that, and it was part of like her physical, like an identification, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. Trump is not in office anymore. He's done. Now what? It's something else. It's something always else. something else. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I got chalk off like practicing film this way due to traumatic event and which I look at now, like not, but I guess maybe, right? Like it slows things down a bit. If, uh, if you have a traumatic event, like, oh, this is what really matters. This is what really matters. So yeah. when I got clean and like, you know, clear in my head, I was so appreciative of the little things that my body and my mind were able to do. And granted, I was doing all that shit before, but I was doing it half-assed. So when I was giving more of myself, more of who I was truly was, oh man, it was just like, I could run longer. I can spar longer. I can can interact with people with confidence because that's the one thing that those things do for you. It's funny how ironic drugs and substance could be because they, you, people think they're instilling confidence, but when in fact, they rob you of your confidence and self-esteem. I couldn't yeah. look myself in the eye after a night of that. I couldn't look another person in the eye. So it's very tricky because you, mm. when you do it, you're like, yeah, I'm confident, but there's a, there's, a, there's a check for that. And the check is, it extracts energy and confidence from you. There's, yeah. no, there's no way around it. It's a blinder it. too. It's a very good blinder for you mm-hmm. because you'll end up doing things that you shouldn't be doing but you, it's a different vision when you're just naturally on point. You know, there, there's absolutely. Now, 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 granted, a lot of the stuff we're talking about takes longer. It takes a little longer, but it's worth it. Like, what's the fucking rush? This is all this shit's too short anyway. Yeah, life is short. Take your time with it. You know. So it's do you ever? Do you ever? Have, do you ever have to check yourself? Because uh, you mentioned a few times when you're saying, you know, had I not done dr- uh, drugs. I would have gotten further, you know, do you ever think, oh, is there, is there a point where you have to go, you oh, know remember what? to live in the moment or, you know, I, I uh, definitely have done that, but not, not recently, but I definitely have that. And I do realize when I do it, I do, I, I, I most certainly believe that everything had to happen in order to put me in this place. It's just, yeah, it's just what it is. Right. I, I, I confidently feel that way because although you know, I can go to the possibilities of what stand-up may have been, or, you know, uh, have waiting for me or whatever. There were so many other things that I feel fulfilled with and, and I accomplished. That I'm like, oh, you can't do it all, but I got a lot of other things done. Absolutely. And you don't you know, know if you'd be dead. Like, I mean, maybe if you got all this success. Right, yeah, and I then- think more than people can admit are dealing with what we're talking about. I know comics who are very successful in their comedy career. But what that entails for some of them is being on their phone constantly and everything is just passing them by. Like everything, right. you know, yes. even the, their right. health could be compromised mm-hmm. because they're always on the road. I'm just saying, you know, and I think you could do it all, you know, but you have to have that balance and be present. You know, nothing should allow you full consumption. You shouldn't allow Let me tell you this to too. fully... I think Serge too, it's always in you. And I think some people just don't have it. And that that's my I agree. Opinion. I think, yeah. and I'm, I'm giving you a compliment here, Serge too, because when I met you, you were always, you always Thank had you, this man. great spiritual eye, but you always had an upbeat temple that if shit ain't working here, I'm good. 
And yeah. that's a mentality that most people in this business just don't have. It's hard because we thrive on being successful. You thrive mm-hmm. on this. If I don't get to point A and point B, like me and Mike talk about, I'm nothing. Yeah, it's a weird business like that. And I kind of, a, a long time ago, I dismissed any uh, validation or acceptance from the powers that be in the industry. Like I, 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 I did it. But if it didn't work, and not that I dismissed it, but I was like, I'm okay with that because I, you know, a lot of the times I did my best and I moved on. You got to move on. Like they, you got to move on. There's people who yeah. harp on things. It, it, it's, it, it's such a, it's such a trivial, it's so trivial when yes. you think about the grand scheme of things. But yeah. and, I, and, and I use comedy as an analogy, but I apply that with everything in my life. Like you, you could suffer for it. Mourn it, but you have to move on accordingly. But right, I right. know a lot of personalities that they're stuck on it. I'm like, dogs, you got to move on. There's so many different things you can do. It's not that the comedy's trivial, but it's like people take it way too seriously. Way That's it. And I'm not just talking about, that's it. That's what life. We take it yeah. way too serious. Like, listen, we, yo, none of us are exempt from the hardships of it. We're all going to go through it, but you got to train your mind and body to feel like, Oh, I can deal with this and then move on accordingly. Cause there's right. a yo, there's a lot of good shit in this world. And a lot, a lot of, of good, good shit is free. It's free. Totally. And it's right accessible. And I'll tell you from my experience, from someone who's a I always uh, we always say uh, white knuckles it or uh, in the past or um pushes really, really hard, you know, efforting like uh the second I let go, and it sounds like a cliche, but because I never believed it, and I go the results don't matter that much. And I mean it, I'm going to do my best, but if it doesn't work, like you said, I'm still going to mourn it. I'm not saying I don't care, but I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to move on. Shit works out. And I don't think it's the, maybe it's the universe stuff, but it might also be people seeing you that you're not, you're not, you're, there's a confidence because if it doesn't work, you're okay. And I think that's very powerful. And people Which makes you more funnier. If you, it if does all of it, <laughs> it's just all of it. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a freedom. It's a freedom to enjoy life. It's just a choice. Like you could just still do the same thing, but just don't take it so seriously. Yeah, like honestly, like the art of stand-up comedy is afraid. It's fucking difficult. It's like difficult, but that's what's very appealing about it. Like if you're good at it, I mean, to become good at it, you got to do it a lot. I do it, but you know, obviously, if you do a stand-up, you loved it, right? So it's like stand-up is hard enough. Like you don't have to compound it with a bunch of other shit, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I think yeah. what happens is, you know, people get in their head where it's like, it's not gonna work out. If they're doing it still, complaining like that, it's working out for them to some degree. And if it's not, you don't have to do it anymore. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if it's making you that miserable, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, well, it's, it's what, totally- The, the it's, fact of the matter is you shouldn't be miserable. Right, yeah. and it's, it's not even about stand-up at that point. It's about becoming famous. It's about money. It's about prestige right. and ego. Stand-up is what, how you're, the vehicle you're using to get there, but you're not focused on the stand-up. And I think that even affects the type of jokes you do or needing to be liked or what's the industry want right now and all these things that you're trying to guess versus just do what your gut says, you know? And I do think mm-hmm. that that totally affects uh, your life and also your career and getting you what, what you want. And uh, I mean, David Lynch, I was just watching this thing with him and he's talking about Van Gogh and he said, you know, cause people look at him as a tortured artist. It's great. He was this tortured artist, but look how great he is. Now his paintings sell for hundred million. 
and he cut his ear off. But what he was saying is I, you know, he didn't obviously know the guy he was around a hundred years before he was even born or if not more, but he said, I bet you anything, the art was his refuge. Like that was the one place he was happy. Like painting wasn't painful. So stand up. My point is pain. Stand up. It shouldn't be painful. That should be a, what, your love. It shouldn't That's be a great story. point. Well, that, what, that was his point. It was, and I never thought of that. I went, Oh, like it shouldn't be this tortured thing. It's like, you know, this guy who's so crazy, he, he painted because he, that was his only safe space. And, mm. and, but we've morphed that or warped that into, you have to be a tortured soul to be a great comedian. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't like that shit. I don't, I did that. That shit, that seems very irresponsible to me. So I think that you have to uh, be involved. To be funny. And I, and maybe it's because it hits close to me. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, listen, if you're tapping, once again, I said, we all have the hardship. If you could tap into that and then bring it on, but I don't think you have to be going through turbulent times. You know, I don't think you have to be in the mix of some shit to compose. You can always tap into those things and generate art, you know, but I think it's irresponsible to be, you know, to say to yourself, oh, I, or, or think that you have to be unhappy to, to be funny or whatever. Like, you know why? And I said that maybe because it's close to home to me, because when I was actively miserable, I remember using that as an excuse yep. to continue. I told myself, oh, this is the identity I want. Someone who drinks and parties and I'm going to be that comic because so I thought it was an identity. Like, oh, that's the identity I'm going to go with attached to it. So who knows people using excuses like that because they don't want to pull back the layers to the mental health or getting better. Maybe it's a cop out. Serge, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close it out, but I'm going to say, man, I the re reason why I want to talk to you because I, I just, I was amazed seeing you. First of all, I saw you in Philly two years ago. Oh, that was a good time, yeah. And that was that show was fun. You and Chris were fucking amazing. Chris Stefano. It was it was an explosive show. I was had the best time. It was, but you were hysterical. You know. Yeah, it was really special for me to, and I and I'm not gonna lie, like because you saw me early on, and then this is what like 12 years later, and that it, it, I felt good that you were able to like catch a show like that. You know, it was, oh, that was it, I was very happy about that. You know, and I, yeah, it was I just fun. To know that listen to this podcast, who you are and what you're doing, and um, I just want to have that talk with you, man, because I've seen you grow, man. It's 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 phenomenal, and I'm so excited for you, bro. So excited. I appreciate you, Mo. Thank you, man. Thank you for your time. Thank man. you, man. All right, brother, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Sergio. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you, brother. Bye. Take care. Okay, Mo, let them know how they can support us. Make sure to subscribe to Comedy Anatomy and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Comedy Anatomy and on Twitter at Comedy underscore Anatomy.